It's the Creative Coding Podcast with me, Seb Lee Delisle. And me, Ian Lobb. We need to talk about all the things. We're on the internet at creativecodingpodcast.com and on Twitter at cc underscore pod, I believe. That's, that's right? right. I'm on Twitter as uh, I-A-I-N-L-O-B-B. So it's Ian Lobb, but with too many vowels. Too just, yeah. A couple of Bs. I'm Seb underscore L-Y. You don't know this actually, Ian, but I set up a new URL last week. Ah. ccpod.co. Okay. So if you don't want to type creativecodingpodcast.com all the time, you can do that. Cool. And we've got a Patreon now. And uh, if you head over to, to ccpod.co, you can, yeah. you can find See, that link. That was quick. Very quickly assimilated. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be gone again by the end of the episode. <laughs> cool. So um, this episode was recorded February 2016. What are we going to talk about today? I suppose we should catch up really, shouldn't we? We'll do the olds, which is like the news, but for sort of a year's worth of... Uh, of yeah, the uh, olds. <laughs> a year's worth of stuff. See really. what you've done there. I don't know. I mean, the pace of like... when I remember when we first did the first episodes ever of this show a few years ago, mm. it did seem like there was just masses to talk about. But obviously, as we had like the entire history of creative coding to talk about at that point, and as like yeah. we do the show, like, it's, you know, sometimes a whole year will by, go by and you'll go, okay, well, really, like what's what's changed in technology? And I don't know mm. if that's one of, it's one of these years. I think like next year, is the year well this year is when all the vr things are coming out like oculus is coming out in very soon in literally a couple of months oh yeah and, I think and that isn't there be, an htc one as well yeah but that's they've delayed their one because they said they were making they'd made a technical breakthrough that was going to to that they delayed it for and the <laughs> technical breakthrough was basically putting a, a front-facing camera on it oh. but that slowed them down have you done any work with VR? Yeah, um, you do Unity, don't you? Everyone not really. Does. I mean, yeah, Unity is like really makes it very easy, but um, I haven't done any real work with it yet. I've tr- I've tried on the headsets. I haven't tried any of the new ones. No, um, the supposed ones with amazing low latency and stuff. So, mm. I've got a few friends see. who are working on VR. Yeah, should get them on maybe. Yeah. One or two, they can tell us what's going on because I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no I think that it's it's got the potential to be awesome. I think both both of HTC and um, and Valve and uh, Oculus are sort of all worried that if they if they sort of overhype it too early with something that isn't ready, it could just yeah. destroy like VR for a generation, basically. Mm. And you're already seeing like people rushing onto the market with things like you know Google Cardboard type things that really aren't that impressive they're quite fun for a novelty but i i heard this podcast last week it's made by a friend of mine paul hayes and um he was talking about this new startup that's just been funded for like four billion dollars in a third round which is like the biggest third round funding ever and i think they're called like oh i'm think i'm thinking of leap motion but it's not that it's leap something have you heard of these? Uh, isn't it Magic Leap? Magic Leap, that's it. And um, I don't know, it was quite an interesting item on his podcast. I'd recommend it. It's a brand new podcast. I shouldn't really plug other people's, should yeah, I? Yeah, go on. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, it's, it's called First Aid and Then Paul, because there's like, his friend is called Aid and he's Paul. And it's it's like 
The idea for this podcast is that Aid will talk about politics and then Paul will talk about technology, right? That sounds like the worst idea for a podcast ever. But actually, it was really interesting. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. So, um, And Paul talked about Magic Leap and that. I didn't even know about them. No, they're like massively funded for hundreds of millions of dollars. And like the CEO or something just seems like really weird. Don't know. Like he did, a, he, he did a TED talk with like spaceman shouting bananas or something something really surreal right. it's an augmented reality thing isn't it it's where they like laser the image into your retinas but <laughs> but they haven't they haven't invented it yet right so i think well they must they must have they must have it behind closed doors mustn't they i don't know they must have it invented and they're just not showing it yet well i hope so i really hope so because otherwise it would be the biggest scam in history. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like Google Ventures have backed it. I don't think they're just going, hey, that's a good idea. Mm. Although there was, they did do that with Glass, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Google Ventures are not exactly the, you know, the litmus test for like quality <laughs> technology <laughs> ideas. <laughs> yeah, but they have the robotic dogs, don't they? Oh, um, that's Boston Robotics. Yeah, that's a Google thing now, they isn't bought, it? Yeah, God, they're scary seen those yeah they're amazing what is it boston dynamics isn't it boston dynamics you just put boston dynamics into youtube just amazing like i show that stuff to my kids because it just blows their minds surely everyone's seen that yeah did you see their they had a sleigh ride at christmas (laughs) (laughs) they just do it they're just repeating the same thing now with i really that no i just (laughs) if you've got a load of robot like dogs then you're gonna do christmas sleigh with them right yeah so what else have you been doing in the year so what you mentioned you won an award but what i mean you're working on games still uh-huh so the yeah the award i said last week was for uh the the other uh, what was it thing? not i was gonna say the osborns no that was the other that was 10 years ago. that was 15 years ago no it was for the Different. rumpet um i'm trying to get right let's get this in the right order it was for the thing i did with something else which was the dumping ground game yeah and then after that i've been working with a, an agency called the rumpus room uh-huh. Uh, in the summer, last summer. And uh, I'm not allowed to actually talk about the project that I worked on, unfortunately, but it was really cool. And they're a great bunch. And the uh, Tom from the Rumpus Room was one of Anti-Rom. Mm. Oh, yeah, I remember them. Do you remember that? I mean, how cool yeah, was Anti-Rom? So... They were, they were a thing, weren't they? They yeah. were a thing that happened in, in that time. <laughs> Maybe I should see if I could, like, get him on. Yeah, why guess. not? I'm not promising that, because... But it was it's just nice to like see someone who you, no, know, you promised sit opposite someone while you're working who was like you, you did, know a hero you did to, stuff. Uh, yeah. So Yeah, so what what is this a Unity game or something that you've yeah, been Yeah, I mean on? I've been working mostly in Unity. Yeah. That's my main technology now until 2D uh, or 3D. I mostly do 2D stuff, but nothing's ever really 2D in Unity. Like you're always using the fact that it's a 3D engine for some sort of stuff even if it's just ordering the z depth right like there's normally a good reason to use some of the 3d features sure um it's like uh you know putting in a bit of parallax just you get parallax for free is one of the nice (laughs) things you can do um yeah and so that was cool so yeah i did that over the summer and then back on to the game with that i've been doing with amanda Mm -hmm. and that's ongoing that's going to get released this year for definites for deaths Um, yeah 
I was tweeting earlier like how to get a project done you have to sort of come at it from two angles one is getting the thing done and then one is just reducing the scope of the thing so that yeah I think you, you the only I think I can't think of a single project that I've worked on that actually shipped that didn't have some amount of just going actually we won't do that yeah well th- I mean that's that's the same I mean that's that's what you have to do right but I guess I always do that on my own projects and the frustrating part is if you're working on someone else's project and they're the ones deciding what should be lost or not deciding what should be lost. Right. right. Or they just won't. They just won't. Like, no, it has to have that. It has to have that. And, yeah. or, you know, but at least with your own projects, you can be like, well, actually I know that I can lose that. Yeah. Is I mean, that's it? something that comes with experience, doesn't it? Is realizing that not everything has to be the exact vision that you had at the start. Sometimes yeah. it's just like, to get something out there into the world is the is the object and the, that carries the sort of main idea. Mm. You know, if, I was thinking, I was watching um, some stuff about Star Wars the other day, and there's the, the 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 Jabba the Hutt scene that they shot for the for A New Hope, where they've got mm. an actor standing for Jabba the Hutt, and they're like, yeah. well, maybe we'll put in a, a stop motion Jabba the Hutt at some point yeah. or something. But it's like you know, it got cut in the end. But it's like yeah. they, you know. And then they put it back and it's like, what are you doing? It was fine. (laughs) It was fine without the weird jabber. Yeah, that's it. It didn't need, it didn't need that scene. It worked. It was already great. It was fine. And like, I remember when they were doing the prequels and they were, they were talking, there was some documentary about all the special effects and stuff. And there was some guy who'd obviously had to composite the, the the 3d jabber into that scene (laughs) and there was a real problem because at one point like han solo like walks around him and he's obviously got this massive long tail right and so obviously like he couldn't walk around him because there's this big massive long tail in the round and stretch trailing behind him so what they did right was they got it so that han trod on his tail and so it's the worst, I mean, poor guys, but it was the worst bit of like editing ever. If you look out for it <laughs> in the prequels, because Han sort of, his head bobs up a bit, like he's trodden on something. And then Jabba does this like comedy expression, comedy where it's yeah. like, <laughs> but they, <laughs> it's they just the worst thing the, ever. They actually changed the three, the CGI Jabba twice. They did redo him they yeah, redid a couple it of times. like a higher res model. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder how long they'll keep tinkering. Well, yeah. I mean, I must admit, I got the what did they call them? The the uh, the despecialized editions. So a group of fans on the internet have basically painstakingly sourced all the original high definition um, material from the the you know the the first three episodes, like four, five, and six, and put them together in like the as close to what the original cinematic release would be. And um, it's brilliant. You know, I watched the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back over Christmas and it was just, it was brilliant, you know? And it's like, I I always, I always felt watching those films subsequently, you know, on TV and stuff. And you, and you're like, did that happen? Did that (laughs) really happen? Hang on a second. You know, and it just, and whether it did or whether it didn't, you're just always like, it's sort of lost that authenticity. And and um, there are a few things they fixed, fixed in Star Wars, ep- you know, the first one, The New Hope, that was um, 
you know, there are like some awkward silences while the robots fiddled with stuff, you know. <laughs> and in the in the reversions, they put some techno babble in three P C three PO sort of saying some you know total nonsense. But I guess it just filled that gap. But you know, I sort of liked that about the original. Mm. There's a sort of slight shunkiness about it, and it was still cool for the time. And the special effects were still cool for the time. And even you know, I still really enjoyed them, and they still got away with them. And in the new versions, you just it was like all computers, and it was well done. But it's like I don't know. I don't know. It's more I like, like the for example, they do things like they add a dinosaur type creature yeah. in the background. Yeah, it's really distracting. Just it's pointless. Like, it's like if you were if you were filming that shot you'd be like someone get that dinosaur out of the way <laughs> yeah. get, there's a dinosaur in the back of the shot get that out of the way and it's like no they've, they've added in that they've added in like visual distractions and yeah. things even there's a dinosaur walks in front of this in front of the camera it's like in yeah. front of the character it's like it's why like, who let that dinosaur out yeah you would never do that in a live action movie why would you add that in what did you think yeah. of um the the new one i really liked it yeah it's good wasn't it it's, yeah it's good it's, it's classic star wars it's it's the formula i mean just yeah. like the way that jedi retreads the formula um what's jedi the return of the jedi oh right the yeah third star wars movie that sort yeah. of retreads the formula of the first two movies right it pretty much does that again with the with those three movies but that's no bad thing it's good yeah i liked it yep two thumbs up from us. <laughs> <laughs> hang on aren't we meant to be talking about programming yeah i've been i you've been doing some programming i've been doing some programming it's been good i mean i don't i'm not um i'm not always programming all day like a lot of the time like because because of unity a lot of the time i'm just setting stuff up in unity and it's really weird it's a different type of process you know like coding's really like a last resort type option for when Mm. you can't just do things through the engine or through the editor Um, yeah which is crazy really but it works (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. It's great. Why do? Yeah. Why would you want to type all that well, stuff? Well, some people, some people don't like Unity for the specific reason that they want to just be coding and they want they to want be to typing just type text it all. in. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're idiots. I mean, it's a three. <laughs> <laughs> it's a three D environment, right? It's like either I'm going to type X, Y, and Z coordinates for everything, or I'm just going to drag it in and move it around until it looks good. I mean, there's some things that are just better with an editor, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I guess you end up using it in in slightly unintuitive ways. Like, for example, you have, you know, like you can type in the values of an array, for example, into the editor in Unity, whereas you might normally have that as like, you know, things like an inversion of control as well, like where you're passing references to things around to each other. In Unity, you tend to just be like dragging the references and it's like a really different way of working because you don't need to have a huge version of control framework or some clever way that things get references to each other and singletons and stuff. You just sort of drag the, go this guy, he's talking to this guy <laughs> and you just drag one into the other and that's that makes that link. Yeah, and you know, no matter how much I get used to working in the C++, um, it's still just a... It, things take longer right whether it's arduino or whether it's open frameworks it's just think stuff takes longer and recently i've been doing a lot of work in javascript again actually which i haven't done for a while and it's just ah, oh, it's just such a joy you know handling strings for example right yeah it's like oh i can just i can just add the strings together or i can or you know the classic one 
is like doing um, a split and then a join, right? So say you've got like, well, I I did a thing that that's formatted a number, right? right. So it would put a decimal point in, um, you know, and it would round up and down it's the nearest two digits. And actually later on, I found out that there's some JavaScript functions that do that anyway. But even otherwise, like for formatting an, a number, you can convert it to a string. Yeah. And then like, if you need leading zeros, you just keep adding zeros onto the front until yeah. it's the length you want. It's just yeah. stuff like that. And you can convert it back to a number if you really want. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's craziness. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what it's good for, isn't it? Like, yeah. That's uh, those the the languages that are sort of built on on text basically, or built on strings like PHP and I guess probably Python is the same and JavaScript. Uh, they're really good for working with strings or web-based things as well because the web is all sort of built on strings, really, isn't it? Uh, it's hard. I guess it's just more about whether the programming language is like loosely typed or strictly typed, right? Yeah, I mean exactly. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's that was that was that's the joy the of JavaScript thing, yeah. for that. Yeah, I've been doing um a lot of well you know I've got this new workshop coming up. You know, I did some workshops last year with Internet of Things, except I called it stuff that talks to the interwebs. And I've got a new one that I just sold out. And this time rather than using Arduino, it's all with Raspberry Pi. And Rather than like everyone on the Raspberry Pi always uses Python, but I'm using Node.js mm-hmm. to to access the. So it's all electronics based, right? So we got just like last year, we got this huge kit of components and LEDs and sensors and stuff, um, and so you can just plug them to the Raspberry Pi through the you know the pins on the on the Raspberry Pi. So it's been really interesting to learn how to work with the Raspberry Pi and Node.js. Node.js, yeah, I quite like Node.js. Does um, so does because setting up Node is not like necessarily that simple. Mm. Does the does the simplicity of JavaScript eat, uh, like offset the initial setup stuff for getting it all to work with Node? I think so. I mean, I I guess when you're working with a Raspberry Pi, there is a certain amount of that work that is Linux, right? Right. So you're setting up the Raspberry Pi, especially for for what I'm doing. Which I'm setting it up headless, right? So I'm not. I haven't plugged in a monitor or a keyboard or a mouse. It's just a little computer that's booting up by itself, and I can uh, connect to it through a command line terminal using SSH. Okay. And, so you're, and and this is what you're going to do on the course, right? Yeah, that's so right. You, so everyone plugs the Raspberry Pi into their laptop. No, um, they uh, they they come with the Wi-Fi dongle, so uh, okay. the, the, all the Raspberry Pis will connect to the Wi-Fi, and then we'll program it through the network. I see from their computers. So straight away, you have to understand a little bit about installing Linux, right? I mean, I'm actually going to set up the Linux disk images for everyone, right? So yeah. they don't they don't have to worry too much. Um, yeah, because how would you even? Okay, so how would you even like put in the Wi-Fi password into the <laughs> into the okay, Raspberry so, Pi. Right. So actually on a Raspberry Pi Zero or on something that's on a Wi-Fi only network, that is actually quite difficult. Right. I bet, yeah. Um so I I've been sort of trying to figure out the best way of doing it. And what you can do is um it's what well you basically you write the disk image onto the SD card. 
Yeah. Right. You do that from your computer. So you download the operating system that you want. You write it onto the SD card. If you've got a Linux computer or a Linux virtual machine, you can actually mount that that SD card as a hard disk. Right. And then you can go in and edit the Wi-Fi settings on it. Right. Uh, but you can't mount a Linux disk unless unless you've got a Linux computer no. or a Linux virtual machine. So I can't do it on my Mac, for example. Right. So the other way to do it is that you can connect into the Raspberry Pi in other ways. So the original Raspberry Pis, i.e. not the Zero, it's got an, they've all got Ethernet ports. So you can just plug them into a network, into your network with a cable. Right. And then you can scan the network for their IP address. Right. And then you can SSH into them then once you know their IP address. Right. But if you don't have a, a you know, a network cable or if you've got the Raspberry Pi Zero, then it gets a bit more complicated. You can um, you can actually set up a console, you know, you can set up a serial connection through the pins on the Raspberry Pi Zero to your computer and, and terminal in through a, a serial um, uh, serial terminal like Putty or um, Cool Term or one of those. So, you know, it's it's kind of a bit fiddly. Is it not one, just easier to plug a monitor and a keyboard into, into um, it and just do it that way? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> What's the um what's the Raspberry Pi Zero like? Cuz that was the crazy one that came free on a magazine, right? Yeah. I really like it. I think that was for me the device that made me realize that I should use the Raspberry Pi on my workshop, right? Rather than um, Arduino. Rather than Arduino. Yeah. Um this there's brilliant things about the Arduino. Primarily the, the the sort of central chip, the MCU, um, the microcontroller on the on the Arduinos. They're really really cheap, and they're quite but they're quite simplistic. So they're perfect for little things, right? But I found with my workshop, especially when you start plugging in Wi-Fi chips, that you're doing a lot of string processing and you know and stuff like that that becomes a bit of a pain. But still, I thought, oh, you know, surely I can solve that. And I think you can, like with Arduinos. There's code you can get and then there's also the esp chips that are coming out like super cheap wi-fi chips that there are you can program like an arduino so there are things that making it easier but actually there are an awful lot of benefits of having a linux computer when you want to make a device that connects to the internet yeah um i mean there's there's obviously some drawbacks as well right so the benefits of an arduino or an esp chip are that if you wanted to make a product out in the wild, it'd be really, really cheap. The components would be really cheap, right? Yeah. Um, and mm, what else? Um, I guess there's a lot of software libraries to control various displays and outputs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I'll think of some other benefits. <laughs> um, but right now I'm thinking about the Raspberry Pi. With the Raspberry Pi, the benefits are that, you know, well, obviously straight away you've got Python or JavaScript or even just C C plus plus you can yep. code in. Um you've you've got a full Linux computer, so stuff like um, you know, uh HTTPS. Is it um is it SSL? TLS? I always get those acronyms really confused. But <laughs> SSL basically, is the one, the secure thing, right? Yeah, SSL, that's right. So I don't know what TLS is. I'm just making up acronyms at this point. <laughs> um but obviously the Raspberry Pi can do that, yeah, and it's actually quite difficult for an Arduino to do that. Uh, de-encryption 
um, they're getting better at it and you can get chips that do it as well. But it's still a bit of a pain. Um, what else? Obviously, you know, you can choose what programming language you want if you're doing string, string manipulation. That's a lot easier in Python or JavaScript. Yeah, because Arduino uh, has its own programming language, doesn't it? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's essentially C++, right? Right. I would say that Raspberry Pis are better at driving high-resolution screens than Arduino. Yeah, well, that, that would make sense. But there are some downsides. There's one thing that really strikes me as being like a really massive flaw that no one's quite, well, that no one really cares about, right? right. <laughs> and this is that um, you can just, you know, like you've got this little Raspberry Pi, say it's displaying a number or something off the internet or it pings you whenever you get an email, whatever. Like at the end of the day, you're just going to shut it down, right? You're just going right. to switch it off. And that's not very good, <laughs> right? right? Um, especially because the SD cards are pretty fragile, and if you're doing it right at the time, you'll just corrupt your SD card. Right. And no one seems to really care about this. Are there not think, safe ways to write to an SD card? with? Well, what you need to do is actually tell the Raspberry Pi to, to shut down or halt, just stop. Um, but it takes a few seconds for it to do that, usually. Right. Um, but no one seems to care. Mostly, I think, because if you've just got a little thing at home going to pull the plug and and most of the time it's going to be absolutely fine everyone's <laughs> like oh yeah i never had a problem with it it's fine um but obviously that bothers me a little bit so what what you should do is is shut it down you need to, to, to do that you are you know either do it with a keyboard and mouse and shut it down or you type into the terminal shut down or halt and then wait for it to do it and turn it off but that's quite difficult if you've got a headless device so one easy way to do it is just put a switch on it, right? Just put a button on it. When right. you push the button, it'll shut it down. Um, you can you can set up Linux to do that. You can set up Linux to monitor a pin on the output. And can you run the um? Can you run the Pi Zero off a battery? Yeah, you can. So that obviously helps. But um, what sort of battery? Like a nine volt or just something bigger? Uh, you know what? I haven't really looked into it. You can, I'm pretty sure you can run all Raspberry Pis. They take five volts. Well, actually, their you know their main circuitry runs on three point three, but they've got a voltage regulator for, regulator for five volts. That's probably safer. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what I've been thinking about doing is, well, I've noticed that some people on the internet are using supercapacitors to solve this problem. Right. So, <laughs> They're quite big. They're, you know, they're like the that size. That stores of a, a bit of charge. Stores like enough charge. That, so, so there's a circuit that they've got that connects to a pin on the Arduino. And when they notice the main power's gone, it'll run a shutdown and there's enough charge in the capacitors to last 30 seconds or so. Right. But it's, it's not a great solution because the, bat- the capacitors are sort of as bulky as a battery. Yeah. Capacitors um, are, they're the bit of technology that, like when you turn your t- old school TV off, but but like you've turned it off at the mains, but it's still like on. Yeah, that's the capacitor, right? And yeah, they're also I the reason so. that you shouldn't open, even if something's unplugged, an electronic device. You can't just go poking around there without gloves and stuff because it might have a capacitor like loaded with enough charge to to send you across the room potentially. Well, TVs. I mean, the old fashioned CRTs. Yeah, they were famous for that. They had massive capacitors that. Retained their charge for why did they need a couple these of weeks? Capacitors? I'm not entirely sure because, <laughs> um, but I'm I suspect it's something to do Is with the, the CRT, right? 
the maybe. actual cathode ray tube. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'd love to know more about that. Do, are capacitors used at all in switching between direct current and... and uh, no, and, what they're usually used uh, for is... Alternate is, current? No, I mean, they use a, a, a sort of diode setup. And again, I'm not a massive expert in this. What do they call it when there's... There's a, a rectifier circuit okay. of di- diodes to convert AC to DC. Um, God, you're really scratching the bottom of the barrel of my electronics knowledge now. But capacitors are usually oh, used to smooth out the, yes. the, the voltage, right? They, so, they can smooth yeah. out like the peaks and stuff, right? That's By right. giving and, it a and, bit of extra. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. yeah. We were going to... Um, <laughs> we talked about... Cause, that while we were while we've been off the air, there was um, a kid in America, a high school kid, <laughs> who was uh, arrested at school for bringing in, well, a homemade clock or the innards of a clock, possibly depending on who you listen to. Yeah, um, and that was quite that quite interesting. Like, obviously, you know, n- not a very nice story in general. Um, so I don't want to make too light of it, but it was fascinating actually. The listening to someone just going over like their sort of forensic analysis of the photo of like trying to just work out what what it what are you looking at? Yeah. Like oh this looks like uh, this you know this looks like a bit of custom like electronics that would you get from like a nineteen seventies clock radio or something. Yeah, I mean they they pretty definitively proved that it was just the insides of an old. LED seven segment display alarm clock from the late seventies, early eighties, I think it was. was it? I can't remember. It was that sort of era. Um, I thought it was really mean, though, right? Um, I mean, obviously, the the beginning of that story is pretty. I, th- I think this story says more about um, society and culture and general lack of understanding of electronics. Yeah, <laughs> it says both of those things. So obviously the story on the face of it is pretty terrible. I mean, really, what that school did and the police was unforgivable, whatever, right? So, sure. so let's let's say he was some misunderstood genius, then it makes the story a bit worse to start with. I think right? the thing is, though, that I think what, something that maybe people didn't like was it, it would be a better story if he was this amazing genius who's invented yeah. this clock and, and taken yeah. it to school. And the, um, he was like uh, Indian or, or Asian, maybe Pakistani, that yeah. subcontinent of of ethnicity. And he, We need a fact checker at this we point. We do need a fact we? checker, yeah. But um, yeah, so obviously, like, it's pretty obvious that he wouldn't have been arrested uh, yeah. if he was a white kid doing the same thing. Like, you can't, you can never say for sure, but like, it seems like you you would you would guess right yeah and so it does make it a better story if uh he was this genius and this was an amazing invention and it sort of takes away a bit of the uh the sort of uh stickiness of the story if it's just the insides of an alarm clock and like not really an invention at all i guess yeah well yeah i mean i think that's the problem isn't it everyone was like oh he's a misunderstood genius and then they're like Oh, actually, you just took the inside of an alarm clock out and put them in a, in a, in a briefcase. Um, so he's obviously a fraud. Fraud. Oh, my God. What a fraud. What a terrible person. It's like, it's, let's just imagine that we started with that version of the story. Would we be thinking, oh, what a fraud? Or would we be thinking, well, there's some police brutality. 
you know, we'd, yeah. we'd be thinking the latter, right? We'd be thinking it was an overreaction from the teachers and the, and the police, whether it was the inside of a clock in a briefcase or whether it was a clock that he completely designed himself from scratch. And actually, you know, that's how I learned electronics. Well, it's exactly. Young, wasn't I mean, it's the first, taking something apart and just looking in it is the first step to understanding yeah. how anything works, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the fact that there was a transformer there just hanging out, ready to electrocute <laughs> anyone with, like, 110 volts of alternating current. That's neither here nor there, right? Uh, did he plug it in? I hope he didn't plug it in. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he, he plugged plug it in it? at some point. The, you know what the saddest part of this, though, was and I, I, was that his teacher just had no idea... I don't know. What it was, right? And I think I mean, didn't, was... you, but didn't he show it to his... It's one of these things where it's like, I don't really want to, like, spend my whole time being a truther about, like, yeah. this guy's clock. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. could, that's why I don't want to get too deeply into the story because it's like, oh, did did he show it to his one teacher and then he showed it to this other teacher and things like that? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It, does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It should it? be good. To ta- it should be okay to take apart electronics and then show your teachers do you need to bring them to school though yeah because there are physics teachers at school right but they understand electronics and you want to be you might have some questions you might yeah that's true true. the thing that beggars belief is that no one in the school thought to talk to the physics teacher right or maybe he or she was involved i I don't know but you posted see you posted something online the other day that looked like a bomb it was you did it does well, it does look like a bomb it doesn't thing, right? look like a bomb it just looks like it looks like a tv version num- of a bomb it's a it's a seven segment led display bomb. right no <laughs> and some wires there's there's no like like the thing that you need with a bomb is it like explosives. explosives right it's like some electronics aren't really enough by no, themselves no, and any physics teacher should be able to tell you that or even a chemistry teacher. Come on, a scientist, for God's sake. There must be one there at the school. A place of education. It's funny. I mean, I don't really know anything about bombs. I don't. Do bombs even have those seven-segment LEDs? Or is that just I'd be a very comedy surprised thing from it, James Bond? They, yeah, I mean, why would you put a seven-segment display on the bomb? I mean, the last thing you want with... I'm not... Blame me, we're going to get into trouble talking about this stuff. I don't but, think so. We're not giving away bomb-making secrets, no. are we? We don't know any... I don't, I don't know any either, but I'd be pretty certain that if I were to make a bomb that I wouldn't so You see, fra- the way you're phrasing that, Seb, isn't helping you at all. It's not helping, is it? <laughs> if one were to go about making a bomb... <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'd want okay, it to be... Okay, maybe, a... let me put it this way, maybe I do <laughs> roam the streets at night. Yeah, I, yeah don't okay. fra- never phrase no. things in the I form. Okay, let's say one was to... <laughs> let's take this guy. He lives in Brighton. He roams the streets every night looking for victims. Yeah, let's... Uh, yeah, next subject. I suppose we're running out of time, really, aren't we? <laughs> he said awkwardly. You're going to have to go back and do, like, a legal edit through this. Oh, yeah, should we send... We'll send it to our lawyers. That's um, yes. That's fine. Oh, I've got something to plug. Okay. I'm doing... Um, a show in London on the, the, I hope this episode goes out before then, but it's on the 23rd of February and it's the new evening from this festival of the spoken nerd. And it's called an evening of unnecessary detail. 
Cool. Yeah, already I can tell you're excited. And this night is Casio night. Very cool. Right, so a celebration of all things Casio. And I'm going to be talking about Casio VL Tone or VL1. Little music instruments with the little blippy blips that it, it's really famous. Yes. And and I'm going to be talking about craft work and I'm going to be playing some music and it's it's going to be brilliant. Awesome. It's in London at the Backyard Club. Does that sound right? I don't know. 23rd um, of February. Go to A-E-U and evening. A-E-O-U-D dot com. An evening of unnecessary detail. <laughs> Great. So that's coming up very soon, in fact. It's, it's probably going to be tomorrow by the time this podcast comes out. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we wrap it up, maybe? Yeah. Cool. Uh, How do we do that? <laughs> no, I forgot to. We just go. Thanks, thanks for joining us, everyone. Oh, yeah, we're still on iTunes. Um, we are on iTunes. Subscribe and as on always, iTunes. Subscribing on iTunes is great, and re- leaving reviews on iTunes is brilliant. Oh, as well. leaving really reviews, leave, leave us a mess. Yeah, absolutely. Leave us a message on our website ccpod.co if you don't want to type the creativecodingpodcast.com. Cool, and we'll be back really soon with another episode cool thanks for listening everyone thanks a lot bye bye that was interesting